0: Thank you for listening to sermons by Chaplain Braswell. We hope that you are encouraged by these messages and that God will continue to bless you. And now, today's sermon. Well, good morning and happy 4th of July today. I'll share with you a really bad dad joke slash uh, preacher joke, I guess. Uh, A pastor friend of mine used to always say on these long weekends, when the crowd sometimes was a little smaller, he would say, y'all are my kind of people. Y'all couldn't afford to get out of town either, so bad chaplain joke, really bad. I had to get it out of my system, but it's so glad to have you today. We're so glad to be together as we continue our study in the book of Daniel. For those of you who have maybe recently joined for about six or seven weeks now, we've been looking at the, the book of Daniel as we look at the title 10X, A Courageous Living as Faithful strangers just recently somebody asked me what was 10x and 10x come from daniel chapter one way back when we started if you remember the story daniel purposed in his heart he wouldn't defile himself remember he wouldn't eat the king's meat drink the king's wine and him and his friends as they continued to follow god the bible says in daniel chapter one that daniel and his friends were ten times better they were found ten times better than the babylonians and we know that's because god's way is the best way so that's where that Title came from. Today we're going to look at Daniel chapter 7, and we're really going to change gears. Uh, you'll see the title on the screen, When the Son of Man uh, Comes Around. We're going to look at that in just a minute, where he talks about this Ancient of Days and this Son of Man. Before we read more of this chapter, which we already have read part of it, as Garrett read verses 1 through 10, I believe, for us this morning, I want to point out that Daniel, so far, in Daniel's chapter 1 through 6, We get Daniel the man. We get Daniel and the stories about his Babylonian captivity. We get things like what we heard last week, Daniel in the lion's den. We have Daniel, uh, excuse me, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. We have Daniel in his interactions with the kings. We do have some dreams from King Nebuchadnezzar, from some other kings, and you have Daniel interpreting those dreams. But Daniel 1 through 6 is Daniel writing, but he's writing in the third person. He, he's, he's writing about some about himself, but he's telling the stories as he served in, in Babylon for, for decades, literally, as he came there as a young teenage boy, but then served, and he went through a lot of kings in Babylon. Kings came, kings went, and Daniel served. But in Daniel chapter 7, today is pivotal for us as we look, because Daniel chapter 7 begins not the third person, but you'll, as you, you might have noticed when Garrett was reading, Daniel goes to the first person. Uh, Daniel begins to not just say, Daniel saw or King so and so saw. In this chapter, Daniel shares with us, the reader, he says, I saw. You could say it this way Daniel 1 through 6 is sort of the view from earth. Some have said Daniel chapter 7 through 12 is the view from heaven. Daniel chapter 1 through 6 is the third person, Daniel chapter 7 through 12 is the first person and we've already heard a little bit about these four beasts that we're going to look at here in just a minute. And what a strange what a strange dream. And even at the end of this chapter, you'll notice, uh, we won't take time to go there right now, but if you look at the last verse of chapter 7, the last verse of chapter 8 in Daniel, Daniel essentially says, I really don't understand what's going on. This is bothering me. This is, is perplexing me. I believe several weeks ago we were in Daniel 4, and we looked at a, at a dream of one of the kings, and here we have another dream where Daniel just very open and very honest says, "This I don't really know what to, what to make of all this in some ways. I remember another dream that I had as a child. It came to me, uh, I think last time I preached, I shared one dream that I, that I had. Here's another dream that I had when I was a child that I didn't really understand. I think I got it figured out a little bit more now why I had this dream. But I, I, have, a, I have a little bit of a fear of birds. Uh, in fact, Cheryl will tell you, my wife, that when we went to Kaina Point, I, I keep my eye on those big seabirds and those albatross. I just They're big, and, and maybe some of y'all can, but I, I kind of, in my mind, I know they're not going to attack me, but I, I just, I just kind of stay on guard a little bit. The reason is, is when I was a child, I sort of had this dream that these birds were pecking me on the head, and I told my mom about it, and then she goes, well... One time when you were little, we let you watch Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. Some of y'all may remember that movie, but it was kind of a crazy movie about birds attacking people and stuff. And, and she admitted, and she was kind of like, yeah, I guess that's kind of my fault. But no harm, no foul. I guess I made it okay. But uh, pay attention to what your kids watch on TV for what it's worth. That's another sermon, but, but there you go. It kind of it kind of scared me a little bit. Well, Daniel, he kind of finds himself in that same place. Where we're going with this today is as we look at his vision... Daniel is sharing us with his vision, but he is giving us some very specific things about God. As you remember, our chaplains have been saying it, I think, week after week, the centerpiece of the book of Daniel is not Daniel, it's not King Nebuchadnezzar, it's not not Belshazzar, it's not Babylon, it's God himself. God is the hero of all these stories, and in this we're going to see what God is doing in the midst of this vision. So let's look a little bit at some of this as we look. I'm going to share with you point number one is this. As we get ready to read point number one is kingdoms come and kingdoms go kingdoms come kingdoms go so far as we've read through Daniel what have you seen sure it's Babylon but you see you see Kings come and you see Kings fall you see one who was killed and then another took his place the whole book sets is set is set in Israel being in captivity by Babylon As we walk through who these kingdoms are, I wanted wanted to do something to kind of help us to kind of wrap our minds around what's going on. In Daniel chapter 2, there is a vision by the king there in Daniel chapter 2 about a statue. As you read Daniel chapter 2 and you read Daniel chapter 7, you see a progression of these kingdoms that I think are the same kingdoms. I'm going to show you a slide. In fact, go ahead and show this to them now. This is just a simple little chart that hope, help, hopefully helps us to see a little bit about what's going on in this passage. And if that chart helps you, you can probably look it up online just like I did. It's also in a lot of our study Bibles. And it's on the, on the left there, there's the statue. That middle column is, here's what's going on in Daniel chapter 7. When Garrett read, Garrett shared with us Daniel's vision, and he saw, he saw a lion, he saw a bear, he saw a leopard, And then he saw that fourth beast that was this terrifying beast. He didn't even have a way to to describe it. And then on the right there, there's a few little, uh, just a timeline just to kind of have you to kind of see. I want you to understand that this is a prophecy. I want you to understand that Daniel receives this vision from God, and God is giving him prophecy. These things actually took place. Daniel is talking about things that have not taken place yet. This is is God sharing with him this prophecy. If you go back to Daniel chapter 2, we won't take time to go there now, but I want to talk through this with you. In Daniel chapter 2, there's a head of gold. Well, Babylon is the head of gold. In Daniel chapter 7, if you look at verse 4, look at it with me. The first was like a lion, right? That's the lion. And had eagle's wings. As I looked, what happened to the wings? Its wings were plucked off, and it was lifted up from the ground and be made to stand on two feet like a man, and the mind of a man was given to it. That's the lion. That's Babylon. But then, if you look at verse 5, you see a bear. Read, I'll, I'll read it. Follow along in your Bibles. And behold, another beast, a second one, was like a bear and you'll see that on the chart there a bear it was raised up on one side it had three ribs in its mouth and it was told to rise and devour much flesh now this is the bear if you go back to Daniel chapter 2 what you're going to see is this is the the chest of this statue and this is prophesying the next kingdom that comes after Babylon Medo-Persia now look at verse number six Verse number 6 says, after this, behold another, a leopard. So now you have a leopard for number 3. This is the, is, the, is the kingdom of Greece. This is Alexander the Great. Again, this is a prophecy. I also want to point out that if we were to take our time this morning to read Daniel chapter 8, he's going to focus in on two. He's, in that vision, in Daniel chapter 8, he focuses on a ram and a goat. The bear that he talks about in Daniel chapter 7 and the ram in chapter 8 are both Medo-Persia. The leopard he talks about in Daniel chapter 7 and the goat that he mentions in Daniel chapter 8 are Greece. Again, built by Alexander the Great, he conquered the known world, remember that? And he died at a young age, but this kingdom lasted for some 185 years. Daniel is prophesying these things. Kingdoms are coming and going and he he is just simply laying out what God has given him number four is is the it's rome it's the roman empire if you look down at verses seven and eight this one's a little bit different than the other ones notice the other ones he says this one's like a bear it's like a leopard all these things you get to verse seven he doesn't even have an animal to describe it follow along and i'll read it to you after this i saw in night visions behold a fourth beast he just says he's terrifying he's dreadful he's exceedingly strong it had great iron teeth and it devoured and broken pieces, and stamp what was left with its feet. No, no animal can describe this beast. This beast is talking about the Roman Empire. It is mighty. It's, it's strong as iron. What you're going to notice is that as we keep reading, it's going to have these horns. Look at verse 8. It says, I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another horn, a little one. And we're going to see this little horn come up later on in this verse, but look at what it says in verse, verse 8. A horn, a little one, before which three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots. And then it says, Behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. I want want you to fast forward with me in this chapter for just a minute and go down to verse 19 in Daniel 7, and I'll read it to you. He talks a little bit more about the beast. He says, I desired to know the truth about the fourth beast, which was different. He says the same thing here. Exceedingly terrifying, teeth of iron, claws of bronze, and which devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. Now look at verse 20. He's going to talk about these horns. And about the ten horns that were on its head, and the other horn that came up, before of which three of them fell. So there's one horn that's apparently greater than the others, and look at what it says. The horn that had eyes and a mouth... That spoke great things and seemed greater than its companions. He's talking about the Roman Empire, and I don't, You can read lots of things about how to how to interpret all these things. And by the way, let me say a plug here. For, for those of you who really want to study prophecy, I'm going to go ahead and put out a disclaimer. We're not going to cover it all in our next few weeks in, in the book of Daniel, I can promise you. But if you have questions about more details about prophecy, what I encourage you to do is email one of us chaplains. You can go to the Facebook page. We all have access, and you can ask questions that are probably in more detail than, than we're going to have time to do here on this 4th of July or the next week or the next week or the next week. So if you have more questions as we get into prophecy, the chaplains and I wanted to let you know, hey, just ask them and we'll be glad to have a great, great conversation about prophecy. But what I want you to, what I want to point out to you is that when you read what we just saw with that chart, I just want to give you a picture of what Daniel saw and see how it matches with Daniel 2. Kingdoms come and kingdoms go. Daniel is seeing what's going to happen in the future. And what I want you to hold on to right here at the start is that there are some fearful things about some of these kingdoms. He calls them beasts. He talks about these horns. Some scholars even say that the the horn that rises up above the rest with a mouth, you may have heard that some people would say that that was actually the Antichrist himself and that we can tie this passage into Revelation. And we're going to look at the book of Revelation in just a minute. But I want to point out that as he shares these things, he's trying to make the point that kingdoms are going to come and kingdoms are going to go. I don't know who all these little horns are, but I do know this. I do know that fast forward past the four kingdoms that Daniel just spoke of. I know, uh, like you, we've all studied world history, but guess what? Kingdoms are continuing to come, and kingdoms are continuing to go. Daniel's going somewhere with this, so let's keep keep reading and looking together. Number two is this. Not only do kingdoms come and kingdoms go, but number two, there is one kingdom that remains, the ancient of days. The kingdom that remains, the ancient of days. We're going to read this passage uh, together now. We haven't looked at it yet. As Daniel explains all that stuff that we tried to encapsulate in that chart, as Daniel gives his prophecy, and we kind of understand where he's going with that. After he looks at all these beasts that kind of come and go, look at verse number 9 in Daniel chapter 7. He says, As I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. The language that Daniel uses in this passage is very prophetic. It is also part of a literary genre that some refer to as apocalyptic literature. There's a lot of symbolism here. This clothing that's white as snow, this hair that's wool, it speaks of this ancient of days, his holiness. There's none like him. His purity, his righteousness, he's, he's wise beyond all comparison. Let's keep reading. His hair of his head is pure wool. The, the throne was fiery flames, and its wheels were burning fire. It's the idea that there's, there's judgment. This wheels are burning fire. There's no, there's no spatial limitation on his judgment. He, he's in control of all things. Look at verse number 10. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him, and look at what it says. A thousand thousands served him and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were open. It sounds a lot like Revelation chapter 5, which we just sang a song that's based out of Revelation chapter 5, when it gives you a picture of the throne and everyone worshiping the Lamb. This Ancient of Days, he far surpasses the strength and the authority and the power of any of these worldly kingdoms. He stands in judgment. In him, the books are opened. What I want you to see is this Ancient of Days is God himself. And in the midst of the kingdoms coming, in the midst of the kingdoms going, guess what's happening on the throne room in heaven? God, the Ancient of Days, he is calmly sitting on the throne. He always has been, and he always will be. I've heard it said this way, has it ever occurred to you that nothing's ever occurred to God? I'll say that again. Has it ever occurred to you that nothing's ever occurred to God? The vision that Daniel gives us is, sure, there's going to be beasts, there's going to be kingdoms who do horrible things, but at the end of the day, the Ancient of Days is still on the throne when everything is said and done. I can't help but think about Jesus. We won't turn there, but do you remember as he stood before his accusers, and this is when he stood before the high priest, And the high priest said, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? He said, I am. And you'll see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Jesus is the fulfillment of the fact that God's going to make all things new. I want to look a little bit more at Daniel chapter 7. Go down to verse 24. And let's look at these ten horns and this horn one more time. Look at what they do in Daniel 7, 24. As he talks about the fourth kingdom, it says, As for the ten horns, out of his kingdom ten kings shall rise, and another shall arise before them. And he shall be different from the former ones, and shall put down the three kings. He shall, here's the, here's the, the mouthy horn. He shall speak words against the Most High. He shall, look at this, wear out the saints of the Most High. So whoever this is, he's after God's people. Wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change the time and the law, and they shall be given into his hand for time, a times, and half a time. As you read that, you'll see that's three and a half years. He's wearing out the saints. I don't pretend to know all the details about all the specifics of this prophecy, but I do know this, as you do as well. Throughout history, we've seen people who have spoke against God and tried to do away with God. I can't help but think of a quote from Nietzsche, the God is dead quote. Let me share it with you. He said this in talking about people who are trying to do away with God. He said, God is dead. God remains dead, and we have killed him. How shall we comfort ourselves, the murderers of all? Murderers. What was holiest and mightiest of all that the world is yet on has bled to death under our knives. Nietzsche said, God is dead. There's always been people who's tried to say that there's something or someone else who's in control besides God. We know that. In the 20th century, we saw some of the bloodiest days that our, that our world is, has ever seen, whether it be Hitler and his killing of millions of Jews, whether it be Stalin in Russia, Paul Pot in Cambodia, Chairman Mao's cultural revolution, millions and millions of people have done horrible and terrible things. They sound a lot like these beasts who go about and devour, whose goal in life is to do all these sinful and horrible things. But in you, when you look at what Daniel is saying here, is God is still on the throne. Someone saying God is dead doesn't change the fact that God is very much alive, and that God is on the throne. This Ancient of Days is still in control. I want you to turn with me. I want to show you something in Revelation to make a connection with these prophecies. If you have a Bible, turn to Revelation chapter 13. Whether it be a hard copy of the Bible or on your phone, that's fine. Go to Revelation 13. I want to show you how this ties in with this idea of this Ancient of Days and this beast. Look at Revelation 13 where he says this. Verse 1, this is going to sound familiar. I saw a beast rising out of the sea with ten horns and seven heads and ten diadems on its horns and blasphemous names on his head. What, do you, what does it sound like? It sounds like a lot of what was going on in Daniel chapter 7. You have a kingdom, you have this empire, you have a leader who's blaspheming the name of God, you have the ten horns, and you have people persecuting the saints Look down at verse five. This is going to sound familiar in Revelation thirteen. This beast was given a mouth, uttering haughty and blasphemous words, and he was allowed to exercise authority for forty-two months. There it is again, three and a half years. Allowed to make war. Look at verse. uh, Excuse me. Look at verse six. I'm sorry. It opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming His name and His dwelling. That is those who dwell in heaven. Verse seven. It was also allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. Here we have that same blasphemous horn, that same beast, but when you continue to read in the book of Revelation, what you're going to see is what we've already sang about. God is still on the throne. God is still in charge and very much in control. Now, not only does this passage talk about the Son of Man... I mean, excuse me, the Ancient of Days, that is point number three. Point number three is the Son of Man, judgment, and the people of God. The Son of Man, judgment, and the people of God. Daniel doesn't just stop with the Ancient of Days, which is God himself, God the Father, on the throne. Let's keep reading. We're going to go back to Daniel chapter 7 now. I want you to turn back there, and we're going to start reading in verse 13. Daniel chapter 7, verse 13. I want to read the next part of the story to you as he sees his vision. He's already seen the Ancient of Days. He's already seen that he's in control. But verse 13 says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. Now watch this, verse 14. To him was given dominion and glory, and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom is one that shall not be destroyed. Again, sounding very similar to Christ's words when he said in Mark chapter 14, you'll see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One, coming on the clouds of heaven. I also can't help but think about Stephen in the book of Acts. Remember when they stoned him, what did he say he saw? He had a vision of heaven, and in heaven he saw Jesus doing what? Standing at the right hand of the Father. We just read a moment ago in Daniel chapter 7 about this little horn that's going to oppress the saints. But we also see that this Son of Man is going to come and make all things new. This is one of those times in church, by the way, when... If you're in doubt of the answer, the answer's Jesus. You ever, you ever heard the story about you know the children's church where you bring all the kids up to the front and you, you, st- you sit them out here and we do a little cute lesson with the, with the kids and, and there, was a, there was a guy trying to do his little illustration and he gathered his little kids and he said, hey kids, what, uh, I want to ask you a question. What's little and gray and, and kind of cute and he kind of lives in trees and he has a big fluffy tail and they're asking the kids that one of the little boys who goes to church every week raises his hand and says... That sure sounds like a squirrel, but i got a feeling the answer is Jesus. Let me tell you, in this passage, there's no doubt he's talking about Jesus. This is one of those times in church where we are definitely talking about Jesus. I want to share another passage of Scripture with you. You don't have to turn there. But in 2 Samuel, when God is talking to David, he said this. He said of David's kingdom, King David, right, who lived... Prior to Daniel, I just can't help but think about this. God said, I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I'll be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. It says this to David, and your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Now, let me tell you, the Old Testament is not so much about nation building as it is about Redeemer sending. God is letting us know, as he talks to David, that David's throne will last forever. Well, guess what? As Daniel receives this vision from God, and he sees kingdoms coming, he sees kingdoms going, he sees all these horrible things that are going to happen, at the end of the day, this is a fulfillment where he is saying the Son of Man is going to come, and he's going to receive all the glory. He's going to receive all the power. He is going to make all things new. I want you to notice in verse 26 again, we see the son of man, but look in verse 26, look what happens as, these, as this haughty horn that rises up the, the rest has all these blasphemous things to say, look at verse 26, it says, the court shall sit in judgment and his dominion, that is the dominion of the horn, whoever this is, his dominion shall be taken away to be consumed and destroyed in the end. So there's your judgment. But look at verse 27. And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven. That sounds familiar, right? We just said that about the Son of Man, but keep reading. Shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. His kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom, and all dominion shall serve and obey him. Unlike any time in history, unlike anything that's ever been established on earth, Unlike those that are going to come and go, God is going to come. Christ is coming back one day. He's going to make all things new. He's going to pronounce judgment. He's going to take care of his people, and we're going to get to be a part of those blessings forever and ever. It's amazing to me that we live in a world where we try to... We're just so smart sometimes. We're almost too smart. We live in a world where we try, to, we try to fix everything on our own, and our own little ideas, and our own little kingdom. History's, history's full of that. You can try a lot of things to, to fix this world. There's a lot of ideas out there. There's a lot of smart people. You could try to fix it through psychology. You can. There's a lot of good things out there in psychology, but you know what you'll still have? You'll still find hurting people who are searching for answers. You could try to fix it through capitalism. Just be real smart with with money. You know what you'll still have? You'll still have a world where people have greed. You'll still have a world where people want. Well, let's go the opposite of that. Let's just fix it with socialism. You'll still have greed. You'll still have people in power. You'll still have people being taken advantage of. Well, let's just fix all the abuse of people. I agree with all of our leaders. I long for the day when we have no sharp cases in the army. Amen? What a great thing that would be. And I want to keep working to that, but you know what? I got a feeling because we live in this fallen world where kingdoms come and kingdoms go, there's still going to be times when people are taken advantage of, sadly enough. Because you and I can't fix it all. We can't fix a sinful heart. Only God can do that. I love medicine. I spent three years at Walter Reed. I saw God do amazing things through medicine, but guess what? If you think you can fix it all through medicine, you know what's going to happen? You're still going to find death inevitable. All the violence that's in our world, maybe we can just come up with the right legislation that's going to fix it all. And I don't care what side of the the aisle you're on on any of these things, but I'll tell you this, no matter what we conjure up, we're still going to, from time to time, find people dead in the streets. And I don't say all this to, to keep us depressed. In fact, I hope it does quite the opposite for you and for me. I hope it reminds us that what this passage is saying, that there is coming a day when the Son of Man is going to make all things new. And when you look at verse number 27 in Daniel chapter 7, he not only says all the kingdom and the power and the glory belongs to God, but he says he's going to bring his saints along. You and I are courageous, living as faithful strangers. I'm so thankful to be in the United States of America, and I know you are too, and we're here to serve our country, and we're here to just to, to pray, as Brother Kenneth prayed earlier, that our nation will be blessed and be God's people. But there's a greater kingdom that you and I are part of, and that is God's kingdom. The Son of Man is going to come and make all things new. As we get ready to close and have communion, let me, let me share a couple of thoughts with you on how the Son of Man making all things new makes such a difference. When we look at Daniel chapter 7, what I hope we see is, number one, it gives us a picture of God's ultimate purpose. I hope that as you and I live our lives and we deal with our daily struggles, I hope that just seeing a glimpse of this reminds you and me that God has a plan, that God's in control. I also hope that this message, number two, gives us hope. Gives us hope. I ran across this quote. I love it. Only he who knows prophecy can dwell in the calm of eternity now. Only he who knows prophecy can dwell in the calm of eternity now. As I think about a parent, and I think about many of you as parents, you're probably like me. You're praying for your children. You want what's best for your children. Your heart breaks when you see your children maybe going astray. Your heart breaks to think, oh, God, what is, what is going to be awaiting my children in 20 years, 30 years? I hope that this passage gives you hope, that God is going to make all things new, that God is in control. And then the last thing that I hope this does for us, I hope it encourages us to serve. I hope that it encourages us to be a part of what God is doing in the world as we uh, pray in just a moment and get ready to take communion I can't help but think of a better thought that as we remember what Christ has done for us as Daniel prophesied about Christ and the Son of Man my hope and my prayer is that as we remember and reflect on what Christ has done for us may it remind us that there's gonna come a day when we're gonna have this meal with him in eternity in heaven and that we remember we're not part of this world. This is not our ultimate home. We're here now, but our ultimate home is God's kingdom, and he's going to make all things new. I invite you to pray with me, and then after that, our chaplains are going to come, and we'll have our time of communion. Heavenly Father, give us clear perspective. Give us hope in the midst of a world that has beasts sometimes, that that we don't know what the future holds. I pray for a, for, a, for a mom and dad who's here raising their children. I pray that they would know, God, that you have everything under control. I pray for a, for a, for a soldier who's struggling to know what's going to happen next in their lives. Uh, I pray for those who have very many great needs. I pray that we would know and understand that we desperately need you in our lives and that we thank you that you have saved us. As we get ready to Partake in communion and remember what you've done for us on the cross. May we recognize that you have made all things new because, Jesus, you are the one who saves. Bless us as we prepare to take your meal now. Bless our time together, and it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.